Let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Um, got nine pages uh, to get through to help you understand what does an heir of God mean? What does that mean? What is an heir of God? What does our inheritance look like? And, um, and so we're going to just look at verse 17. That's just our text this morning, talking again about being adopted into the family of God and that God is our father. And we talked about the significance of that last week as uh, Pastor Rob unpacked that for us. And, and so, and he's going to continue to do that in other aspects. We have explanations of other texts in Romans 8 and 9, and he's going to be unpacking some of those things as God our Father and listening to him. And, um, and so it'll be a blessing as we uh, team teach through these next few sections. And also uh, Lyle as well. Pastor Lyle will be sharing on another aspect of that. And then eventually down the road, we're also going to hear from Thomas uh, Watson as well. And so some just different things are coming down as we unpack a lot of these scriptures and hearing from different perspectives and walk in life, but the same scripture and same as God's leading us. So let's pray. God, we want to honor you. This is not about what we want to hear, or uh, even though this morning is filled with huge blessings, great encouragement, great riches that you um, are going to unpack for us by virtue of your word. This isn't uh, based on anybody's opinion, not based on anybody any has to offer us. It's simply what our life in your family is like and what it results in. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would unpack all of this for us, that um, as we get a bird's eye view of what it means to be an heir of God and what it does mean, how we often get things misconstrued. And so, Lord, help us to have a clear picture um, and let the rest of your word fill in the picture um, that you are painting for us this morning. Thank you for your spirit that does that, that helps us in our understanding, leads and guides us. So help us, Lord, not to listen to the things that are going on in our life this morning, but to hear and to be directed by you. Thank you so much for this word that you have for us that we will read. Help us to listen and to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 12, but our text is verse 17. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We're no longer in debt to the flesh, but we're in debt to live according to the Spirit, right? To, we're not living according to the flesh, but verse 13, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Then a great and amazing text, one that uh, I was reading a commentary and it was talking about a French writer of the Middle Ages, Francois, I can't pronounce his last name. It's, it's like Rebelez, or it looks like Rebel, uh, but it's not. It's Rebelez, uh, who also was a Franciscan friar. So he was a monk. He was a friar, uh, was not Friar Tuck. Uh, but Francois, he said this. He made the following will about at the end of his life. He says, I owe much. I possess nothing. I give the rest to the poor. Now think about that. I owe much. I possess nothing. But I give the rest to the poor. How different it is with God, isn't it? How different. God owes nothing. He possesses everything. And he gives it all to his children. Isn't that quite different than what Francois was saying? Being a child of God also means having an inheritance. Being an heir of God, being a child of God, being a child of God means that we possess an inheritance, an heir from the Lord that we are. But in Luke 18, 18, we see that a lot of people have misconceptions about what does it mean to be an heir of God or having an inheritance, the rich young ruler came up to Christ and he asked this question in Luke 18, 18. He said, what must I do to inherit? Now think about that. You know, I, I don't know about you, but if God possesses everything, who would you like to inherit from? The monk who possesses nothing or from God who possesses everything? That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? But yet the rich young ruler came up and says, what must I do to inherit? And then he goes on the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He wanted to know what he needed to do. But that's the problem. That's the problem that a lot of us face because we are in that category, the rich young ruler, and is asking that very same question. What must I do? And Jesus wasn't concerned about what the ruler young ruler could do. He was concerned about something entirely different. He missed, the rich young ruler missed the whole point because inheritance is not a matter of doing. It's a matter of being, of being a son of God. It had nothing, being a, a ruler, uh, being an inherit, receiving an inheritance from God, being an heir of God, doesn't matter about what you can do It's a matter of being a part of the family of God. And the rich young ruler missed that whole point. A lot of people do that. They miss the whole point of what it means to be a part of the family of God, to to receive an inheritance from the Lord. So what can this mean when in verse 17 it says, and if children, being children of God, being sons of God, being adopted by God, if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and fellow heirs or co-heirs with Christ. 
What does this mean to be an heir of God? Well, we saw, as we read in, in 1 Peter 3, there's a lot, or 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9, we see there's a lot that we learn about being an heir of God and having an inheritance from God. We're going to summarize a little bit of what does this mean and then look at our text. Heir literally means, in our text, means a legal distribution of possessions and portions to individuals. Not just any individuals, but individuals from a family. Now, in the original Greek culture, possessions were passed on to any person named in one's will. In fact, Greeks often built their fortunes for the purpose of passing them on to favored relatives. It was all about whether you were favored or not. It wasn't so much whether you were the firstborn. It was whether or not you were favored. So it's kind of like if you greased the wheels of grandpa, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you were the favored one, then you received something, right? In fact, so they pass on to their favored relatives. The Romans widened the concept to enable the distribution of possessions of wealth among close friends or even loyal servants. Oftentimes in the Roman Empire, uh, their closest servants that were the closest to them received sometimes the largest portion of the inheritance. And so often people that were brought into slavery because of debt because they were captured and they became a servant, they, they often tried to grease the wheels and become the favored servant. Because if you were the favored servant, you could receive the greatest portion of the inheritance. And if you did, you could buy your freedom. Right? And you can remember back to what it means to be adopted into the family of God. Christ paid our debt. So we could be adopted into the family. You think about all that God did for us. He used the adoption language very specifically to remind us that it's not about what we do, but it's about what he did. In 1 Peter 3, we get a glimpse of what this inheritance and being an heir of God looks like. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the head of the household, the father, our father. Because look, according to his great mercy, listen to this, he has caused. He has caused something to happen. It's not about us. It's not about others in this world. It's about our father in heaven. It's about Christ and his relationship, right? And he says this, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Your your inheritance, by the way, is being guarded and kept by God's power. Think about that for a minute. How many people in our world today are worried about people stealing their inheritance? Right? 
being scammed out of inheritance, stealing an inheritance. It's a big money market this, in this day and age, right? People are always worried about losing their inheritance, you know, and that's, it's, it's crazy. I hear lots and lots of stories. People fight over inheritance. I remember, at, you know, doing the memorials and funerals for my grandparents and watching what happens in families. Because I was a pastor, I was the arbitration expert. They would say, oh, pastor, you know, you're the pastor. Would you sit in and help, you know, do what's fair in the family? So I would say, okay, they'd be arguing over something. I said, how about if I keep it and whoever talks to me at the end of a year um, and whoever's interested in it after a year, then, then we'll talk about them having it. So I got lots of stuff. Guess what? I still have lots of stuff. Nobody talked to me after a year. But it's amazing how people are so concerned about their inheritance. One of the things that we notice about inheritance is the, this inheritance, that the being an heir of God, and this inheritance that is given to us, is, an, is this inheritance is the only inheritance worth having. Right? It's undefiled, unfaded. It's kept for us by God. Nothing can change it. It doesn't rust decay or fall apart you know have you ever been given something it's like this is from your great you know whatever and you're like this is great and then you have it for a while and you drop it and you break it there it goes your inheritance but that's not God's inheritance that's being an heir of God this inheritance we receive from God it's it's the only one worth having any other inheritance is unsatisfying, it's disappointing. It's the riches of the world for which men labor so fervishly. They labor for the wealth of this world. And they're sure that it'll take care of many cares in their life. But 1 John 2.17 tells us the things of this world are fading away. All the glories of this world are fading away. And one day will be burnt up and destroyed. He quotes, the flower fades, right? The heat of the summer, the heat of the wind comes, the flower fades, but the word of God lasts forever. I never knew really what that meant until I went to Israel. We were staying in Galilee, and the hills were alive. They were beautiful. I woke up the next morning, and there was a stiff, hot wind that was coming from the desert side of Israel and all those flowers were gone. They were there one day and gone the next. I was like, whoa. And then I began to realize as, as to tie back to what Rob was talking about last week, when, whenever I travel through and he's right, on one side you can have these beautiful purple mountains in Southern California gorgeous purple. On the other side, you can have these just beautiful orange poppies littering the whole hillside. And, they're, and it's like the rest of the year, they just look brown and ugly. Every once in a while, they look white. And I thought they were clouds until I realized, wow, it snows in Southern California. 
I never realized that, and, and I tried to go over the grapevine, and I got stuck in, at the top of the grapevine. I didn't have any chains. And I was at a gas station. I had to sit there and wait for snow to melt. Have you ever waited for snow to melt? That is just a long time. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. The, what the world has to offer, it's here one day, gone the next. It's really not worth having, but God is. This is the only inheritance that can be kept forever. The inheritance that God gives us is the only inheritance that is kept forever. All others will be left when we die. It'll vanish. You know, Howard Hughes carried no more with him to the grave than Lazarus did. I think about that one. Or we could say modern day, Bill Gates or Trump or, you know, think of all the different billionaires. None of them, you know, Jeff Bezos, you know, Amazon doesn't work in, sorry, you won't get your packages in heaven. <laughs> it doesn't work. Amazon, yeah, sure, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. When, when he says that if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God, well, this is the only inheritance worth having because it'll be kept forever. This is the only guaranteed inheritance which is within reach. If you're a child of God, this is the only guaranteed inheritance ever. You just think about it. Most, almost all the people in the world will never be able to attain an inheritance like this that comes from God. If you're a child of God, then yeah, you're going to benefit from this inheritance. And we're going to talk about that. But glory and honor and eternal life are set before you because of the gospel, because of the good news. You know, it's, as we talk about being an heir of God, we're going to leave that, the part of suffering at the end of verse 17 to next week. There's just too much to talk about this morning. I'll never get to it. But I want you to notice the condition of your inheritance. It gave you a snapshot of, of our inheritance that God gives us. It's found, it's a great, beautiful snapshot, kind of an all-inclusive snapshot in 1 Peter 1. But look at the condition. It says, if, right? If children, then heirs. It's an if and then statement. It's a conditional statement. If, if this, then it results in this. If there's a condition to it. It's very simple. In the text it reads, if children, talking, going back to being children of God, if you're a child of God, then you're heirs of God. Not only heirs of God, but co-heirs with Christ. There's an emphasis that must be placed on the word if. You can't ignore if. If you ignore if, you miss a lot. Here's the, the deal. Is this, this inheritance doesn't come as a result of natural creation. Well, God created me. I there must inherit everything that God created. That's not true. Just because you were born... Just because you're a created being, just because you can create things, just because you have a knowledge of creation, 
Just because natural creation, the text doesn't say if creatures or if created, then heirs. It says if children, if you're a son of God, children of God. Not only that, but this inheritance doesn't come as a result of family descendants. It doesn't write if children of Abraham, then heirs. It doesn't say, if you're a child of Pastor Kyle, then heirs of God. If you're a child, now this one's even better. This one I'd say is, you know, if children of, of Pastor Ralph, then you're an heir of God, right? Yeah, I love Pastor Ralph. I love his family, right? Do you know what's cool? It's because God saved me. I'm a part of his family too, because we're all part of God's family. Me and Pastor Ralph, we're brothers. I actually see him as my older brother. He's wise. You know, I may preach and I may be the lead pastor, but I follow him because he follows Christ. Right? Family descendants. It's not written, if children of Abraham, then heirs. Grace does not run in bloodlines. I want you to think about that one. Grace is a free gift from God. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But as many as received him, to him gave, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Received, by the way, the Greek word for received, but as many as received him, talking about Christ, talking about God, literally taking a hold or obtaining or grasping what is offered. When Christ did the work of salvation by dying on the cross for our sin, rising again, he offered a free gift. He's, he's, he's calling, he says, here is my free gift for you. Are you taking a hold of that? Or are you holding on to your will? You have to let go of your will to receive his will. It's not about what you do. It's about what he did. It's not about being a family descendant. You can go into Romans chapter 9, which we will, hopefully by the start of this summer. Um, We'll be there and we'll talk about God's sovereignty. But you know what the other thing is, is it's not human merit. This inheritance does not come as a result of human merit. We're not heirs of God because of some human merit that we did. Paul doesn't say, if, you, if you're servants, then you're heirs. You can go all through Galatians. He makes that argument. He's, he's, a, great, a, great, he's a great orator of law. He's a great law arguer. He's a great lawyer. He makes great arguments. He even says in Ephesians 2, right? So that in the coming, in verse 7, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift. We didn't earn it. It's a gift. If we earn it, it's no longer a gift. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It's not about human merit. It's also not religious rituals. The text does not say, if 
circumcised or if baptized or if a church member, then you're an heir of God. It's not about religious rituals. Multitudes, many, many, many people foolishly imagine that if they have their children sprinkled as babies, then those children become heirs of God's covenant. We're going to talk about that in Romans 9 as well and go back to Romans 4. They say, well, yeah, and sometimes it's like, well, if I dedicate the baby, then they're saved. Or if I baptize the baby, then they're saved. That's not true either. There are many who vainly presume that since they have, they've, they're like, oh, yeah, I've come to church and the preacher said, you know, that I need to be saved, so kneel and, and pray a prayer, and then you're saved. And they said, I, I remember kneeling. I knelt. I knelt. I know I knelt. I know I'm saved because I knelt, right? And they just, I talked to him, and I said, how do you know that you're saved? I knelt before the altar of God. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I knelt because the preacher told me to. I'm like, okay, so how did that save you? Because I did it. I'm like, okay. So I just I almost have to tell them. It's like, let's read this passage together. I'm not saying if you knelt and prayed before the Lord and, and, you, and he saved you. I'm not saying that you're not saved because you knelt at one time. I knelt before the Lord and I prayed. The problem is, is that kneeling does nothing. God does everything. Our salvation is not about a ritual act. It's not about whether you're baptized. It's not whether you do this kind of worship or that kind of worship or you do, you know, you're a church member. It's not about those things. It's about Christ and what he did for us. He brought us in. He adopted us. He paid our debt. He brought us into the family of God. We are heirs of God because of our adoption. Not because of these things. We have this great inheritance, not because of these things, but because we're a child of God, because he saved us. And that begs the question, are you a child of God, or do you think you're a child of God? It's good to know that you know that you know. And think about that one for a second. It makes sense. It didn't make sense the first time I heard it. I was like, I heard it in college. I was like scratching my head. Yeah, I've heard so many people use it. It's great. Do you know that you know that you know that you're a child of God? Are you born again? John 3, 3 through 7, Jesus answered Nicodemus when he said, what, you know, what must I do to get to heaven? Jesus said to him, very, very, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again? Do I go back into my mother's womb and then be born again? It just doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm an older man. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You can just see Nicodemus scratching his head. He says, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born Question mark. Jesus answered, very, very, I say to you, 
Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That is which born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say this to you, that you must be born again. God saves us. The reason that we're born into the family by the Spirit is because the Spirit's the one that adopts us through the work of Christ. What we've been talking about a few weeks ago. We've been brought into the family of God. There's a biblical uh, list of lesser items that describe this great inheritance that if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God. What does that mean? James Boyce, Dr. Montgomery Boyce, he has a list. He calls them the lesser things. These are the things that we talk about. When we think about our inheritance, these are the things that we talk about all the time. And guess what? He called them. I was like, wow, he's right. As I was reading, I was like, I never thought of this. Because these are the things that I went to immediately when I wrote them down, when I read this. I said, this is what having an inheritance from God means. And so I wrote, and it was like my, it's like I read his mind because this is what I listed, but he called them lesser items. These are the lesser things of our inheritance. And he said this, this inheritance does not come as, oh, that, that was supposed to be on the other one, not this one. So you can strike that this inheritance does not come as a result of. That was on the other one. Um, Here's the thing. This is the lesser items. A heavenly home. We always talk about, I can't wait to have my heavenly home. And we dream about what our heavenly home is going to be like. I guarantee your heavenly home will be nothing like what you dream about. Because it's his kingdom. It's God's kingdom. It's going to be infinitely greater than we could ever think about because we're limited. We're limited by things. Our heavenly home is a great inheritance, but it's not the most important thing. How about the heavenly banquet? We talk about, yeah, when Christ returns and brings us home, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to to fellowship together. You know, Jewish weddings lasted weeks. I'll never forget Right? Uh, you know, two things I learned. Uh, Samoan wedding and a Samoan memorial. We had a Samoan uh, uh, family in our church when I was an associate pastor, and they, they came to me and said, Pastor, we would like to do a, uh, a wedding. And then one time they said, we'd like to do a memorial. And uh, is it okay? And, and I said, and they said, before you say yes, let me tell you, We're going to be here all week. I said, 24-7? And they said, yes. And I said, what does that look like? Eating, praying, crying, laughing, playing games together for a whole week, 24-7. I said, really? They're like, yeah. And I was me of little faith. They showed up with moving trucks to the church full of freezers and refrigerators of food. I'm not exaggerating. We got lots of rice and chicken after the memorial. Our banquet with Christ and God is going to be amazing. 
but it's still lesser. How about this one? We, we talk about, this, oh, we're going to rule with Christ. One day, Christ is going to set up his kingdom, and we're going to be co-inheritors with Christ, and we're going to rule with Christ. Can you, oh, that's going to be so amazing. No more government. We're going to follow Christ, and we are going to rule with Christ. Right? Yeah. That's exciting, but that's still lesser. How about this one? Likeness of Christ. I can't wait till I can see Christ as he fully is and he fixes. You know, likeness to Christ means fixing this broken body. We talk about that all the time, don't we? I can't wait till I inherit these things. These are all true. Yes, being an heir and being a son of God, these things are all true. But the greatness of inheritance of God's children is God himself. I want you to think about this. Our inheritance isn't just great. It is divinely great. Because God is everything. Think about that. We focus a lot on, on physical, tangible things when it comes to inheritance. But we rarely focus on the fact that we are heirs of God not heirs of this world, we inherit all of God. If we are children of God, then we are heirs of all that God possesses, God's kingdom, right? It's, it's greater than we could ever imagine because it doesn't come from us or this world. The scripture declares in Revelation 21, it says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. First, or 2 Corinthians 3, 21, All things are yours. If we are children of God, then we are heirs of God to be heirs of all that God possesses. Right? Heirs of all that God is, heirs of God himself. We are not God, but we inherit all that God possesses. We minimize God so much. But here's the other thing. We're heirs of God's salvation, aren't we? Our salvation is so much greater than all those other things. If we're heirs of all that God possesses, we're heirs of, what God, of all of God's work. We're heirs of eternal life. And not eternal life like we're heirs. Think about it. God is eternal. He had no beginning, no end. We inherit that because we're his children. That relationship, think about it, that eternal relationship that is life. We are heirs of promise. All of God's promises, all of who he is, that was a result of... Do you know that all of God's promises are directly linked to all of God's character and who he is? That's our inheritance. We, we, we minimize so much what this means. Error of gracious life, of graciousness. We, we receive the things 
that we don't deserve for the rest of eternity. Being an heir as we receive his grace. Being a child of, of, of God, we, we become his heir. Literally, of all these things, we're an heir of his righteousness. It's what the point of, in Romans chapter 1 the power of our salvation, the power, we can't, we are not righteous. We could never, ever produce righteousness. But we're heir, because of being a child of God, we're heirs of his righteousness. Our inheritance is divinely great. Think about it. Our Savior, when Christ died on the cross for our sin, has given to all of his chosen ones all the glory that God the Father gave to him as a result of his perfect obedience to God as our representative. Christ is our representative. Listen to what he, as he talks with God the Father in John 17, verse 5. He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Right? He's talking about his divinity. Look at down at verse 21. He, he goes down in his prayer, and his, as he's talking with God, the Father. Verse 21, he says, that they may, talking about his disciples, those disciples to come, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. He's talking about our inheritance. Being an heir, being a part of the family of God, being one together in relationship. See, that's the, the other thing is, is of being not only heirs of his kingdom, but this here also, our inheritance exists alongside our union with Christ because of what Christ has done for us, right? If children, if we're sons and daughters of God, if children, then we're heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. There's a song, Joint Heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I, can, I forget the name of it. The family, there you go, thank you. I have to sing the whole thing to get to it. <laughs> you know, we used to sing that every time we did communion, by the way. We would sing that song because that was, that's what communion expresses because, we belong, because we're sharing in the body and blood of Christ. We're, we have communion with him because we're unified with him. We used to get in a big circle, link arms together, and we would sing the family of God. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. This grace, this is grace indeed. God has pardoned us. He's received us into his house. He has adopted us and gave us all the rights as sons. He has made us his heir. Not heir-er, but heirs to inherit that all that he possesses. He has made us to be joint heirs with his own dear Son, if we were to summarize everything up to this point in 
from in Romans. We've been justified. We've been declared right because of the work of Christ. And his union and communion, this union and communion with Christ is, be, is because of his righteousness. And so we're co-heirs of that righteousness, which led to our sancti- being sanctified because we've been set apart now as his heirs, as sons and daughters of Christ. We've been set apart and are being sanctified and becoming more like him until he returns. Sanctification in this union and communion with Christ is because of his holiness. Our sanctification is a result of Christ's holiness, which results in glorification. One day we will be glorified. We'll we'll share together our union and communion with Christ as complete sonship with God. It'll be one day glorified and magnified before God the Father. It is such an inheritance, this inheritance, all of this, this justification, sanctification, this glorification, being glorified by the Father, this is reserved for the well-beloved Son. This type of inheritance is only devoted to the well-beloved Son. of whom God says, I am well pleased. This is my son and who I'm well pleased. And we're co-heirs with Christ. Joint heirs, co-heirs. So much so that we're heirs, we're able to approach God all the time. Isn't that amazing? Hebrews 12, looking, it says there in Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus. That's the point right there, looking to Jesus. The author and finish of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endure the cross, despising the shame, is now set at the right-hand throne of God. That's our inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. We're not just the lesser son. We're co-heirs as the adopted sons and daughters of God. Our only worthiness to approach God in any way at any time is a result of Christ. In Christ, we are worthy to obtain this inheritance. Because Christ, He made worthy, we were made worthy because of our debt was fully paid because of Christ. We were made worthy because we are perfectly righteous. In Christ, because of Christ's righteousness. Think about that. This is a beautiful passage that we just quickly overlook. That heirs, because our, our inheritance exists alongside our union with Christ, that heirs are unified with Christ is a matter of absolute certainty. Co- you think you realize join heirs with Christ means because. He died for our sins. We are now dead to sin. Not the effects of our flesh. He's killing that. But one day, as he rose, we will rise. Because he rose. Because he is righteous. We will share in that righteousness. Because he is holy, we will be made holy. Think about it. 
It's absolute certainty. That's the eternal security that we have because Christ is eternal. It's beautiful. Our union with him secures it. His title deed to glory is ours. That title, you know, because he, his title of glorification and being glorified, we're co-heirs with him. You can't divide our inheritance because we're co-heirs with him. He prays for it. That same prayer in John 17. Uh, you just want to be blessed. You're struggling with your day. Go to John 17. Listen how your Savior prays for you. There's just nothing more encouraging to hear the faithful prayer of our Savior knowing that we needed prayer. He has gone to heaven, John 14. He has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us and to hold it in our name. In his name and, and our name. The, written, our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because it's the Lamb's Book, by the way. Do you notice that? The Lamb's Book? Because it's his book, because he died for us. He is coming again to bring us into blessed possession of that inheritance. Isn't that amazing? It's absolute certainty that we have that. So what does all this mean? Well, I've been telling you, this is amazing. It, it, it's, it, it's been amazing to go through all of this together. Well, here's the deal. We should live with a new confidence. I don't know about you, but this kind of inheritance breeds a different way of living, a newfound confidence, a new this newfound confidence, you know another word for it would be contentment. We don't need, there is nothing more that we need because we have been given it all. Do you understand what given it all means? What could you lose on this planet that is more than all of God's possession? There is nothing greater. There's a new confidence. Being a Christian is so much more than just a label that we wear or a cross that we wear and saying, I, I, you know, I'm a Christian. Or, you know what, you know, it's like the big W, you know, you know which team you're rooting for. Or if you have a, a C, you know, if it, or a, a cat on your shirt, you know which team you're rooting for. It's a label. But being a child of God is not a label. Being a Christian is so much more. It's being a child of God. You're a child of the Lord. I like the, the Marines. I had family members over the years that were in the Marines and the Army. But I like the slogan, right, of Marines. The few, the proud, the Marines. It's a great slogan. Those who are Marines, by the way, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Never 
tell somebody that they're a former Marine, they're still a Marine, and they're, it's just never, you'll, they'll make you. If those of you five years ago remember, I had to drop and do 20 after the service because I called him a former Marine. <laughs> so there was a guy that was speaking, and I called him a former Marine. I don't make that mistake anymore. Those are Marines wear their uniform with pride. They think of themselves as the best trained soldiers for our country. There's an absolute confidence about them that is clearly evident. Think about this kind of attitude. Why do we live with our heads low? I was thinking of, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking of what my grandmother used to say, do your ears hang low, do they wobble to and fro? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, the, the silly things that come to my brain. But we walk around like that. You know, right? And it is silly that we walk around with our heads hanging low. You're a child of God. We, should, we shouldn't live with our hangs low. We should, we're children. He is our Father. We inherit from Him. Because of that fact, we live with this great confidence. Now, this is not arrogance. This is a great contentment. We don't go around, I'm a child of God. You know, I don't know, pomp and circumstance. And it's like, look, I'm the king. You know, I rule this earth because I'm his child. He created her. But we see people kind of like that, don't we? I've been to a few of those ceremonies in Rome during Christmas. It's quite an ordeal. It's nothing like it. I was, I, we stayed a, just a couple extra days so we could be at the Christmas Eve thing. And then we missed our boat back to London. That was crazy. Try, if you're traveling on a shoestring budget and you miss a boat that you paid for, that ah, can be devastating. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But it's not arrogance. It's great confidence. Right? We, we live with this new confidence. We should not be weighed down by the trials and concerns. It's like, what? It's not like, it's not, I'm not saying that, it's not like that things are, we should go, oh yeah, life is easy. Nothing's ever hard. In fact, it goes in and he tells us that if we are heirs with God, we're also going to suffer. Right? I'm not saying that we're not going to suffer. I'm not saying, that's not what weighed down. It means that we're not pressed down by the things of the world. Kind of like you do when you're marinating something or fermenting something. You put a weight on the top to make sure it's fully submerged. It's that burden of this world. We're not burdened by this world. We know that our inheritance is from God. Our, our life isn't looking at this world like we inherit this world. Woohoo! If you live that way, you're going to be burdened. Because the older you get, the burdens just keep coming. But those that have confidence in their inheritance that have been given by God, they have peace. They have great peace. Because peace is being brought together in a relationship, a complete relationship. That's what Christ is talking about. As we are one, make them one with us. 
during World War II, you guys remember, you've heard about many stories about the junior Gestapos. They were stoled and recruited at the age of 12 to 13, sometimes 14. But they were, many of you may not know in history that the Gestapo that would steal children that were 12 to 13 to indoctrinate them into the Nazi regime, to be the junior Gestapos. You may not have known that. They were to perform a lot of the dirty tasks that the Gestapos didn't want to do. And we mean, we mean by dirty task, we mean some very sick things, some very rough things that a lot of us would not want to see, let alone do. These, these boys, we, don't, we, we, we know the brown, the brown shirts, we know a lot about that, but we don't know, we haven't, and I'm not saying, these boys did a lot of evil things, not saying that they're good, but we don't realize they were treated very harshly. Many of them were starved and not fed. Many of them were put in very inhumane places. They lived in a lot of squalor. They lived under a lot of hardship. And when they were rescued, by the way, in when they were rescued after the war, they were rescued. They were put, they, were, they didn't have any family connections. They didn't know where their families were. So the, the, they put them in tents and they began to feed them. They, were, they would wake up screaming and yelling because of all the things that they witnessed, because of a lot of the things that they did. And so they, they spent hours and hours trying to physically bring them back to health and to dealing with a lot of their problems. One doctor had this idea, and, and he said, you know, they just, they're struggling. They, they don't, they live there for years not knowing whether they would eat or not. So the doctor had this idea, and he started feeding these boys and fed them, and then he sent them to bed with a loaf of bread and said, now save that for the morning. And he said it was a drastic difference. They started sleeping through the night, knowing that they had something for tomorrow. The not knowing, it was brutal on those boys. But when they knew they had something and it was secure, the, they, they just started to change. Guys, we... We are weighed down by this world, but we don't live like we have this great inheritance from God. We have that security. It's nothing like a loaf of bread. It's because it's Christ. It's God's possession. It's God's work. God has given us a rich inheritance. He has provided us a sure promise. He has placed his spirit in our life to die as a deposit, as a guarantee. That's not a loaf of bread. That's his spirit as a guarantee of what will come. Think about that as a guarantee. Those boys were comforted by a loaf of bread, but we have God's spirit 
we can sleep soundly and joyfully knowing that we are heirs of God because of what the Holy Spirit has done for us, what God has done for us, what Christ has done for us. Security is long apart in this world. True security is in our relationship with the Lord as sons and daughters. That's why he says all these things. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because he's given us the spirit of life. Because we've been set free from in Christ because of what Christ did. We're no longer under the law of sin and death. God has done this by sending his own son. In verse 3, in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All of this he's done. We don't longer set our mind on the flesh, but set our mind on the spirit, which is life and peace. Anyone who does not have the spirit is not of Christ, does not belong to him, but that's not who we are. If God has saved us, we have his spirit, the spirit of life because of Christ's righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's a great guarantee, isn't it? Verse 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. We didn't, he didn't give us the spirit of slavery to fear. Verse 15, it says, But you who have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We have a Father, an eternal Father, a complete Father, a perfect Father, who gives us all of His possessions. And not the things of this world that are going to be burnt up and gone. In fact, verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, that's for sure, are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs of God. If you are not a child of God, it's time to respond to his invitation. Will you respond to him? Will you reach out and take that gift that he is offering to you? Maybe this morning you thought, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a religious person. I'm a good person. I've always been in church. I've always been with a family that, that loves the Lord. I, I know God is good. I know that he does good things. But I, I, I didn't know that this was all about God's work. It's not about my work. I didn't know that God was the one that needed to pay my debt to, so that I could be adopted and, and to be adopted and have and be an heir of God, to, to be a part of his family, to be considered a son and daughter, that it's all about him. It's possible that maybe you wonder, how does one become a part of the family of God? Do I need to join the church? How can I be adopted into God's family? I want to be adopted into God's family. 
Remember that verse in John 1, 12 through 13, to all who have received him, not did the work, but received the work that's been done for you in your place. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right. We didn't earn the right, do the work for the right. We didn't pay for the right. He paid for your right to be considered a child of God. The idea of repentance, by the way, is to let go of your life, your rights, your what you think is right, your work that you believe in, yourself, and you return and grab onto Christ and his work, his free gift. Are you a child of God? Because if you are, then you are an heir of God. If you've never made that kind of commitment, I encourage you to do that as we pray and as we sing and we worship God. Because if you're worshiping and have never turned and, and received Christ, never turned from yourself and cling to Christ and repented and believed in him, not just believed that he exists, but actually believed in what he did for you, do that. It's very simple. You have to let go of yourself to cling to him. You can't hold on to both. It doesn't work that way. Respond to his invitation to your heart this morning and become a child of God, not born of the flesh, following your family, but following your Savior. And be born of Christ. May we be calling everyone around us to be a part of this family. Of what Christ has done for us. May you share that beautiful gift of being a son and daughter of Christ, being an heir of God, receiving his full inheritance meeting him one day face to face. May we share that good news of what Christ has done for us when he died on the cross and he rose again. You know, really, when we celebrate what people call Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday, it's really all about his life, his full life, because his full life in obedience and submission to God's will and God's sovereignty is the result of his resurrection. That's what makes Good Friday good. We're celebrating everything. It's like celebrating Christmas and everything in between at once. That's why it's better than Christmas. (laughs) Are you a child of God? If so, heirs and co-heirs of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this one verse. We thank you for what it really means, the impact it has on our life. May you bless and help us to understand and grasp what you're telling us here, that it might give us great joy and great encouragement, great depth, great contentment. May it help us to lift our heads high and live boldly boldly until you return 
and bring us to glory, your glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. May we rejoice at that day when we meet you face to face, worshiping you for the rest of eternity. Thank you for all that you've done. It's all about you, not about us. And so, Lord, may we really fully grasp what it means to be an heir of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.